Welcome to Zimmerman Podcast, episode 25. Let's welcome Ashley Krupp to Zimmerman Podcast. Ashley is a business behind the bloom student who bought BBB in the spring of 2018. Ashley hopped on a one-on-one mentoring call with me, and we were about 10 minutes in when I realized I needed to interview her on the podcast. Ashley is sharing about the power of education, finding clarity through imperfect action, and she even asks me some of her biggest business and floral questions. So if you want to be a fly on the wall for a mentoring session, now's your chance. There's no doubt in my mind you're going to love this episode and love Ashley even more. She's a Team Zimmerman favorite. Welcome to the Zimmerman Podcast with your host, CEO, wedding professional, educator, and mom, Jessica Zimmerman. In just two years, Jessica went from facing bankruptcy to taking home a six-figure salary. She turned a business-saving $100,000 loan into a million-dollar empire. As a creative entrepreneur, a healthy work-life balance seems just as unattainable as a six-figure income. But Jessica Zimmerman is here to show you it's possible. With the right tools and insider tips and some hard work, your craziest dreams can become your daily routine. If you set some boundaries and commit to healthy changes, you can create a business and a life you love. So let's make your business work for you. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jessica. How are you? I am doing just fine. You reminded me so much of my experience and and just having that attitude, knowing that you could do it with the answers. If you just had the answers, you knew you could make it happen. And so I just kind of want to talk about, because everyone's heard my story, they're all tired of it. (laughs) But I wanted to hear from you, like, tell us where you were a couple years ago. Well, how long, how long have you had the business behind the blooms? When did you buy it? Um, I got it the spring of 2018. So I think it was the second time that you released it some big changes have happened in a year and a half, huh? They have. Yeah. So when I got business behind the blooms, I was, so I've been in the floral industry since 2013. Um, and I've, it's kind of been up and down kind of my, um, history with flowers. A lot of it was learning the hard way, which I tend to do in kind of everything that I do. When I got business behind the blooms, I was working, um, full-time at a flower shop And I had just taken a year to work for another shop, not do anything on my own and just figure out, do I really want to do this as a career or is this more of a hobby? And that's when I found you on Instagram and um, decided to go ahead and the money I was making at that flower shop, invest in myself and my education. And Business Behind the Blooms has been a total game changer. All the things that like, I just wanted somebody to sit down and walk me through And the stuff that like somebody did well was in that course. There were just so many things that I was like, oh, this is like what I needed to like know to actually do this well. So yeah, it's, it's been really good just from a learning standpoint, but then I feel like also just your Instagram lives or your bloomer live videos, um, have also just helped frame my mindset to know how to have a business that I actually want and to be able to bring like the skills and unique things that draw me to flowers to my business instead of kind of worrying about all of the logistics of it. When I made the decision to write Business Behind the Blooms, I just said, I'm going to do this the way I wish somebody would have said this to me. Like, I'm just going to give it to you straight. There's not going to be 
a lot of fluff to this. There's not going to be all of these questions and everything like, how do you feel? Let's talk about this. Let's really think. It's just going to be, here's how I'm doing this. This is why. This is why it works. This is how I implemented it. Now go. I am really grateful and it makes my heart happy to hear that that kind of tough love approach was what you needed. Absolutely. Well, because I think the biggest thing I was lacking to actually go into business was confidence. Um, So kind of my time at the flower shop, I feel like I grew in confidence with just knowing that I'm a good florist and that I can create something that's beautiful. But then that's one thing, but then to actually be able to run your own business. And that's something that I've always had a desire to do. Um, It's kind of evolved through the years at what that looked like. But yeah, to have, because I had been in business before and we kind of took every opportunity as a good opportunity. And you're very straightforward. Like, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I did was so helpful because that's, you're on the journey. You're just steps ahead of where I was. And to have somebody just kind of like take me by the hand and say, this is what you can do with the sales process. I'm going to lay it out for you what this looks like for me. And it totally resonated with me. That's been probably the biggest thing I've been able to take away from it. And the thing I maybe even enjoy the most, which is surprising, but I just feel like your process and the tools that you shared just helped me take the skill set I have and approach my brides and clients in a way that's really authentic to who I am and what I want to do with flowers, which is help make a really beautiful day even more beautiful by accenting it with creation. So I love that you say it gave you confidence because I think if you don't have confidence in your business, it's scary. And you wake up every day a little bit fearful, a little bit, you know, you don't know how things are going to go. And maybe you have a meeting and you're just already in a bundle of nerves before you even go into it. And that's just no way to to do your business. You used to work for someone else and now you have your own thing, right? Right. Yep. So I started um, just this year in January. Um, And I think one of the things that you said one time that really resonated with me was most brides don't know the process. This is all new to them. So when I know my process, I'm able to very confidently say to them, okay, this is the process I go through and kind of walk them through it. And I feel much more in charge of navigating this because I'm the professional versus before feeling like I was kind of, you know, maybe not as confident and more hesitant and would listen, but didn't really know how to, I don't know, give them the best advice or kind of tell them how it should look or what I was willing to do. Absolutely. And I think too, that, you know, I think I always think about two people. I think about my attorney (laughs) who I'm, you know, this from Business Find the Blooms, I'm big on contracts and having all of your legal stuff together. My attorney, then I also think of my CPA. And those are two people that I, you know, spend money with on a, you know, regular basis. And I think all the time, what if I went into their office and I said, hey, I'm starting a podcast and I need to get it registered. You know, I need to get the trademark registered and I need to have a contract for any affiliate sales that we do. And what if they were just to look at me and say, okay, what do you, so what do you think about that? 
I would be like, well, I'm not paying you a dime. Like you are not, I'm coming to you because you're the expert. Like I'm coming to you because you're supposed to know everything and you're supposed to guide me through this journey. And I think it's fascinating how many people I've talked to, how many students who at the beginning, they would sit down with, with brides and they would kind of do that. Okay, well, what what are you thinking? And it's like, no, that is not what they want. They want someone who is going to confidently show them, I am the expert and this is how this goes. That just makes them feel like, okay, we this person, she's going to be worth what it what this costs because this person knows what they're doing. So how does your first year of business look? Like, are you, because I'm telling you, you've got to be, it's got to be a lot different than, like I said, how my first year was, because you're probably really confident in everything. Yeah, well, so I took, um, I actually stopped working at the flower shop last, at the end of last summer, around this time last year. Um, So I took the whole fall to just kind of think through like, yeah, what I wanted to do, what I wanted my business to look like, um, worked on getting my website up. Um, just kind of thinking through some of those logistics that way come January, I would be able to kind of hit the ground running and be prepared to start meeting with brides. And so I've only done a handful of weddings this year. I have a couple more, um, this year and one booked for next year, but everyone that I've sat down with and gone through this process, I've booked, um, like every person that I've met with has become one of my clients, which these are clients that I found all through like word of mouth. So I haven't done a ton of marketing yet either. But like I said, I feel like you kind of walking me through what your process looks like, I was able to then adapt that to me and really just like connect with brides and build that foundation of trust and really present them something that makes them excited for their wedding flowers and excited to work with me and just helps me to like serve them better. So yeah, this year it's, I still have a lot of growing to do. Like I know next year will hopefully look even better than this year, but yeah, I just having the ability to do my business well and to actually like treat it like legitimate business has just, I don't know, it's just been night and day from my experience in other floral avenues I've taken. That's incredible. And I think the fact that you have booked everyone that you've met with is absolutely amazing. And I think that there are probably people listening thinking, how on earth is she doing that? That's kind of unheard of. I mean, in your first year for you to book everyone that you meet with and have word of mouth advertising and to be doing that well. And that just, I I love that you took the time to build the foundation. That's what makes me the happiest. Like you took the time to get your website going and nothing has to be perfect. And I think that that's the thing that you have to remember is, and I think you said this earlier, like, I'm just a few years ahead. And that's the truth. Like, it's just a few years. It's not many. And so you definitely have to still do the work and you've done the work and it has, it has shown. So congratulations. Thanks. It's funny you say that because last year, well, last calendar year, 2018, I felt like I was really taking the time to like invest, get educated, kind of figure out what I wanted to do. But I told myself, come January, I have to do. I can no longer just, you know, consume education or think about all these things and have all these great plans. I actually have to put them into place and start doing stuff. So I've been a lot more intentional this year about not I mean, I'm still listening to podcasts and doing all things to kind of like help me continue to grow and learn, but um, trying to be a lot more intentional about actually walking the walk now.
running a floral business isn't always as pretty as the flowers themselves. I spent more than $100,000 educating myself and figuring out how to make this business work for me and fully support my family of five. If you're wanting to know how to not only run a profitable business, but also hear all my firsthand experiences of navigating how to deal with difficult brides, make automated systems, create proposals, set boundaries in your work, and book every bride you want, you need to check out Business Behind the Blooms. Go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash BBB to get more information. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash BBB. So as you know, my mentoring sessions are kind of pricey, but I wanted to give you the opportunity if you want, to have a little mini mentoring session. And so if you have any questions for me of stuff that you're going through right now, I would love to answer them. So do you have anything that you're dealing with right now that you are like, man, I could use some advice? I think sometimes just knowing what to prioritize because right now, like I, I'm not super present on Pinterest or Instagram, which, you know, I consider like marketing, but I also feel like, you know, I'm needing to meet with a lawyer just to finalize my contract and also doing client work and weddings and just, yeah. How do you prioritize? Cause I think sometimes I feel like I have all the things and then nothing's a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know just how you kind of approach that. Yeah. I think that because you're just working you, right? You don't have any anybody else on your team right now. Right. Yep. Just right. me. So I think step one is to hire someone else as soon as you can to help with some of the minutia of business, some of the stuff that is just always going to be there, you know, like emails and those kinds of things. And there's so many people now that you can hire virtually. I have nine people work for me and they're all virtual, which is crazy. But I think that that's always step one. But I think that that is also something that people are, you know, scared to do. And I understand. And we'll have another podcast episode where we talk a lot about team building very soon. But if I were you and I were in your exact position right now, I would make a list of all the things that need to get done. And here's the here's the really important thing with business is it's not about getting it all done in one day. It's just let's try to move the needle in our business a little bitty bit every day. And sometimes that means just doing one thing. I'll be completely honest. Today's been a bit of a train wreck for me. I my son was needed me today. He was at school. He needed me. I tried to get my workout in. It's just been it's just been a bit of a train wreck. And this is the only thing that I will be able to do in my business today before I go pick my kids up from school. But this is one thing that's important that needed to get done. And so I think if you can get one thing done every day towards something, for example, it might just be making the call to your attorney today to set up the appointment and then it's set up. And then when that day comes, you're going to go to it. You know what I mean? Um, So it's just, I think often we can have things on our list. And what that does is every time we have any kind of slow time, whether it's when we go to bed at night or when we go on a walk or when we're just sitting down trying to eat dinner for five minutes, whatever it might be, we go, I've 
got to get those contracts done. I've just, I've got to do that. And for me, one of the things that when I was reading the habits that successful people do, because I'm obsessed with learning about what successful people do. And one of the things I learned is they do not think about something more than three times before getting it done. So if something is bothering you or if you're thinking about it, it can't happen more than three times. And if you start to live your life that way and kind of think about it, for example, last year, our garage door was so broken. I mean, I would leave to go to work and it just would, I don't know what, it was like going crazy. It wouldn't close, but it wouldn't open. It just kind of kept shaking back and forth. It happened one day, it happened the second day. And on that second day, I sat there in the driveway and I called the repairman and I was like, you have to come out today or tomorrow. Like it, it, because I told myself, this is ruining my productivity. I need to get this a check mark so that I can go on. There's always going to be something else on the list. There's always going to be a roadblock. There's always going to be a distraction or a kid who needs you or your husband needs you. Something is always going to be there. But what is one thing that you can do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to just move the needle just a little bitty bit in your business? And so I think contracts are the number one thing that you should be getting done, mainly because you're taking people's money. You need to be protected. You need to be protected. And so I think that is the number one thing that I would do is make an appointment with an attorney and get that done. And then you said things like marketing. Well, here's the deal. You are getting great word of mouth and you have a website. Okay, so that's first and foremost. And you probably learned in Business Behind the Blooms the importance of SEO. So people, if if you search wedding planner, floral designer in your area and you're you're on, you know, one of the first four or five people that pop up, then you're doing good there. I think if you had to start focusing your marketing somewhere else, if you wanted to, I would obviously do Pinterest. I think that that is where brides are hanging out. That is where you can get so much business. People don't believe me when I say that, but it is, we get so many inquiries through Pinterest of really amazing ideal brides. And we teach that in the power of pinning. You can go to thepowerofpinning.com and learn more about that. But power pinning is really incredible. And that just drives people to your website. And it's all about your website. People get so focused on Instagram and Facebook and all of these things, but it you make the sale at your website. You, you get inquiries at your website, not on Instagram, not on Facebook. And the biggest traffic driver to your website is Pinterest. And so if you had to, if you, if you were like, I really want to step up my marketing game, that's what I do. Oh, I know. I know what I would make sure that you're doing is everyone that you have worked with this year, I would make sure that you're getting a testimony from them and an image of them so that you can put that on your website because you want credibility and in your first year of business. Sometimes that's hard to get. And so you may not have your work featured yet on Style Me Pretty or 
Martha Stewart weddings or something like that just yet, but it's coming. It's coming. But a great way to give um, prospective clients instant credibility when they visit your website, because they're going to come to your website no matter how they find you. If it's personal referral, if it's a Google search, if it's through Pinterest, they will eventually end up on your website. And if on the front page of your website is credibility, whether it is um, a mom of the bride's testimony or a bride's testimony, then that is just going to help solidify someone's decision to hire you, to contact you, to reach out to you. Awesome. I was going to say, I actually have gotten power the power of pinning and I'm going through it. And yeah, I mean, similar to business behind the blooms, like you don't mess around when it comes to actually educating people. So I go through it for a little while and then I take a break because it's like learning a whole new tool uh, the behind, like how it works and all of that, which is so useful. So yeah, I highly recommend that too, because it's a treasure trove of information. I hope this episode is blowing your mind so far. For years, I hated Pinterest and I held a grudge for the clients it stole from me when it first came out on the scene. But believe me when I say, Pinterest has earned my forgiveness. Today, I do almost all of my marketing through Pinterest and I get inquiries from big budget ideal clients every single week. If you want to start using Pinterest to get leads and money in the bank, you need the power of pinning. Check it out now at thepowerofpinning.com. Okay, what else? Do you have another question? I remember hearing you once talk about just when you're setting up weddings and kind of making the day as though you wouldn't even have to be there. That way, whatever comes up, you're available to get to, or if you're not able to be there, that the wedding still goes on. So I guess just for like somebody starting out who you know, it's my husband and my parents that are the ones helping me deliver set up right now. Um, they're not florists. So it's, I'm the only person with professional expertise um, with flowers. So just, I guess, what would you say for somebody like me starting out that doesn't have another florist on hand that they're hiring, but that the wedding still goes on, if that makes sense? Sure. I, I've always taken it really seriously that someone is giving me money in exchange for me to do something for them. They are giving me money, their hard earned money for me to make this day really beautiful for them. And I've, I've just always taken that really seriously. And so even, I mean, I will be honest in the beginning, in those beginning days, it really was my husband and me. And if we needed additional help. It was my mom and dad, bless their souls. I mean, my father was like carrying pews with Brian. We used to have a rental store where we rented like church pews and stuff. And they were doing that. And it was actually a wedding that we did that I remember we, it, we had church pews and they were carrying it. And I remember thinking, like my dad's not going to be able to do this forever. And Brian's not going to be able to do this forever. I don't want to do this forever. Like what are we going to, and what would have happened if we would have gotten in a wreck on the way here? And I'm the only one who knows where things go and all of that. And so from that point on, 
what I did is I always made sure, even if they weren't with us, that they were available. There was a lady, the lady who I bought the rental business from, she knew how to do flowers and um, she would just, you know, she wasn't professionally trained. She went to a grocery store class just like I did. And that's how she learned. And she is the one who gave me one of the best pieces of advice or that, which is flowers are already beautiful. And so if you think it's pretty, chances are your client will think it's pretty as well. But I, from then on out, would make a call anytime after I booked someone and would say, I have a wedding on this date. Are you going to be in town? Will you please write it on your calendar that I have a wedding? So if there's an emergency, I can call you. Um, and she was like, absolutely. And if it wasn't her, then I had some. I, I had found someone else. I had to do that. I, mean, I had to do the work to find an additional person because there did come a point where she started traveling more and she wasn't going to be around as much. And so I had to find someone else. And then when I really started learning the foundation of my business and got really serious about business, I said, okay, my best place to be is at the lead. Like I don't need to be doing every boutonniere and every corsage because I hate those things. Um, <laughs> they're just not fun to make. But I need to be making sure that everything is running smoothly. And so that is when I learned how to do setup and delivery properly. And I think that's one of the most valuable chapters in the business behind the blooms is the setup and delivery chapter. I think that that chapter is worth the price of the course alone. That's just my opinion. So it was actually Kelly and I were sitting at the studio one day and I said, this doesn't work anymore. We've got to figure this out. And she and I came up with that in about, it took us about two days to really figure out how we were going to price setup and delivery for profit. And we created a spreadsheet and everything. And that exact spreadsheet is in business behind the blooms. But I think you do have to start putting fillers out. And here's the thing you're saying like, you're the only person who knows how to do flowers. You can teach people how to do flowers. Like it's not brain surgery. I mean, yeah. I don't say that to minimize any work that anyone has put into their floral design education and going and learning how to, properly do things. But what I mean is if you need somebody to make a boutonniere, you can train them how to do that. And I actually think that one of the best things you can do is find people in your area who love to volunteer. And I'm not saying they volunteer for you, but if someone loves to volunteer, they just love helping people. They just want to be there to help. They see that there's a problem and they want to be there to help. And so they don't want their own business. They don't want to be you. They just want to help. And most people would love the opportunity to play with flowers. You know what I mean? And so I think you need to start finding someone who you can start to teach those things to who could be either on call or come with you on setup day. And you can, you know how to charge them accordingly or charge the client accordingly. And you know how to pay them accordingly because you have that chapter in BBB. But I, I definitely think it's a very real possibility that something can happen that you wouldn't be able to be there. And then I think it would be really hard to live with yourself knowing that you had told somebody you were going to do this for them and then you weren't able to do it because you weren't there. And so there needs to be someone else who knows the timeline, where things go, and how to do something. Even when I was pregnant with the boys, I 
contacted a floral designer in my town and she's like the best. She's so good. And I said, listen, I know that my work is nowhere near yours, but, and she just kind of stopped me right there. And she said, if you get in a pickle or if you go into labor or if you're on bed rest, she said, nobody even has to know. We'll just take care of it. That's awesome. And I thought it was so nice. And so that's why it's important to, to be kind to the people in your industry. Don't just go to a wedding and set up and not talk to the photographer and not talk to the paper and not talk to the wedding planner. Like be friendly, be friendly. Everyone is craving connection and kindness. And that just goes such a long way. I agree. I know that's like, that's one of the things I love about having my own business is like, cause I, I love the connection with the brides. Like I feel like the relationship base is like so much of why I want to do this, but that translates to like the vendors too, you know, like all the people I interact with, like I love building those connections and. Right. If you want to build a great business or live a good life, you've got to plan for it. Every year, I take a whole month to reevaluate the past 12 months and figure out what worked, what didn't, and how I can create a life I love for the following year. I teach you my exact planning process in my program, Know Your Numbers, annual planning for your best year. If you want a free training to get some tips on planning your best year yet, go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash Know Your Numbers. That's ZimmermanPodcast.com slash Know Your Numbers. Okay, we have time for one more question if you have one. So... I know you're really good at like, just like you were talking about with figuring out setup and delivery and you're really good about if something doesn't work or something does work, kind of nailing down what isn't working, what is working. Do you have like a specific process you walk through kind of like an after action that steps that you do? Yes. So after every meeting that I have with a client, I have a piece of paper and I ask myself what went well what didn't go well, and how can I make sure what didn't go well never happens again? It could be something as easy as them asking me, why would I buy candles from you when I could go down to Hobby Lobby and buy candles? Just knowing what my response should be there. So just taking the time to like write down what my response is and kind of learning that, memorizing it, and knowing that so when that question comes up next time somebody asks me, I have the answer and I know what to say and I'm confident in it. And then it's their choice whether they want to buy it from me or go to Hobby Lobby themselves. And I think that that is step one. You have to do that after every meeting. And I mean, that's how we learned things like our font was hard to read because we would ask people in the beginning as well, like what went well with this, what didn't go well, and what would you change? And I remember somebody said, this font is kind of hard to read. And just listening and paying attention, paying attention in those meetings will really do you a lot of good to improve for the next one. Every single one of these you have to look at as a learning experience to get better. And so I asked myself that after every, every meeting. I asked myself that after every wedding and after every wedding, I mean, every single wedding, there is something that we can improve on. It got to the point, you know, where the where last year we made sure that every single meal was catered in 
not like some big fancy catering, but I mean, it could just be pizza was delivered, but we just didn't have time to stop and do all that. We just needed, so every single wedding, you need to ask yourself, how could you make it more efficient? Because the more efficient you are, the more money you're making. And so that is efficiency is the number one like winner for for business, in my opinion. I, I actually think those are very specific, but a more important thing is I take every November and I ask myself what went well this year and what didn't go well. What did I love? What did I feel like I got burned out on? And I think you have to listen to that. Like I mean, I'm sure there's things even this year after, you know, eight or nine months of business that you are even saying to yourself, I don't love this part. I don't love this part. And once again, like we said, kind of at the beginning, you're the business owner, like you get to make the decisions. If you don't love doing that, there's somebody who does. I mean, Kelly freaking loves things that I would knock my head against a wall if someone told me that I had to do them. I mean, she loves them. They're, that's why we're all made different. We all have different strengths. But I think really being honest and listening to that and saying, you know, I didn't really love this. I thought I, I feel like I need to do this, but I don't, I don't love it. And really being honest with yourself about that so that you don't get burned out. And it could be you know, you're not going to feel this right now, probably, or maybe you will. I don't know. There, I'm sure there are people who are listening who have been through one year of business and they're like, I do not want to do this anymore. Like I thought I did, but I don't. You then, then stop. Like you've got to figure out how you can pivot and not just quit, but how can you pivot? How can you make a change? And I think you have to be really honest with yourself every year about that as well. So I teach that in Know Your Numbers and annual planning. Um, so you can learn more about that at knowyournumbers.education. But we we go through all of that, just my November planning month and how important that is and and everything. And so that is just crucial on setting myself up for success for the following year. And yeah, that's that's what we do. What about you? I think what you said is so true because earlier, just what feeling like what we should do instead of what we actually want to do and get to do because it is our own business and we get to make those decisions. Stepping back after something and kind of listening to like, did that feel good? Did I feel like that was actually what I want to be doing? Or was there something about it that maybe didn't quite resonate with how I want to be spending my time? Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of wisdom in that because it's so easy I think for women in general, and I think even more so like trying to kind of forge your way in business to actually think about what it is, you know, that you get to do, not what you should do, not what somebody else is doing, but what is it that's unique that we bring to the table that sets us apart? Because there's lots of floral designers and um, different businesses out there. But when we actually like listen to what actually brings us life and actually gets us excited about what we're doing, that's when we actually start to thrive and, you know, treat our clients better, treat our families better. So I don't know. I just think there's a lot of wisdom in what you said. We just have to be honest with ourselves. Just because we started doing something doesn't mean that that's what we have to do for the rest of our lives. If I have to do the same thing for the rest of my lives, I mean, let's just end it now because I would be so, <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I need 
a variety. I need to change. I need to do different things in order to remain interested in in my work. And I recognize that and I allow myself the freedom to to feel that. This year, 2019, we took a year off from weddings. I just needed a break. I needed a break after, you know, eight years of just wedding after wedding after wedding. I needed a break. And so I was really honest with myself about that and allowed myself to take that break. And I'll figure out in November if I want to, you know, go back to it and do it some more. Or if this break has shown me something else that is possible. And we never know unless we take the time to do that. And we're honest with ourselves about it. I think that's one thing, even like I said, in the fall and kind of last year, I was really like investing in my education and just getting things set up. And I've said to my husband kind of throughout this whole process, are we really okay? Like maybe what if at the end of this year, I, this is not what I'm meant to do. This is not, you know, where I'm being called. Are we both okay with that? And so I feel like that's one thing I've really tried to do with my business and with even potential clients, like just really trying to have a stance of my hands being open and not just kind of grasping at something that might not be mine. Um, but still giving myself the opportunity to really explore it. And I mean, I continue to keep coming back to flowers and I, I feel more and more confident, I think, as I go, that this is what I'm meant to do. Um, but still wanting to have that stance of, okay, but that could change. We're hoping that our family grows soon. And, you know, I don't know what that like, what that's like to be a mom yet. So who knows how my heart will shift then, um, or what changes I'll make in my business at that point. So. Right. I think you're so smart to allow that space to be there. Yeah. I've done the opposite before, so I've learned the hard way, but it feels a lot more, um, I have a lot more freedom, I feel like, to actually choose something instead of feeling like I have to do something, which I enjoy a lot more. <laughs> I think too, for me, it, this is interesting because I'm such a futuristic thinker, I think way ahead. But when it comes to kind of my everyday life, I look at it one year at a time. I cannot look at it and think, I'm going to be doing a podcast for the next 10 years. I can't do that. That's too overwhelming. It's too much to think about. It's too, it puts too much pressure on me. So this November, I will sit down and I'll say, what do I want to do in 2020? What do I want to do? What do I not want to do? I probably do not want to travel much for work. I traveled a lot for work in 2019 and I was gone a lot. And I probably don't want to do that as much in 2020. So I might set a boundary like I'm only going to do four speaking engagements or something like that. But I think if you can just kind of look at it one year at a time, it really helps for you not to feel that overwhelming feeling of, I don't know, just the pressure of continuing. And I also think I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with this piece of advice, Ashley, take notes <laughs> people, because this is good. And you're just, you're in your first year of business. So you, you've got this, but there will come a point when you will want to pivot, stop, retire, something. There will come a point where you do not want your business anymore. It may not be for 30 years, but it may be in three Build a business that you can sell. If you cannot sell your business, then you haven't really built one. So think about that and think about every day when you are working towards your business. 
so many business owners are just like, well, this is mine. And if I leave, if I stop tomorrow, then it's fine. But you could build something that you could sell. You could totally sell your business or you could change directions in your business and maybe that's the way you sell it. But I could totally sell Zimmerman events. I could sell Zimmerman education. I have been really smart about that and gotten, you know, registered trademarks on every course. And I could sell each of those individually to someone if I wanted to. I, you know, there's all of these things. So just figure out how you can grow this thing to where it is sellable. And the way that you do that is you track your numbers and you know your numbers and you know your profit so that you can show that to a person who would be interested in it. No, I think that's really logical because you're spending a lot of time and energy and money to invest in a business that would be kind of sad if, you know, in two years you're like, okay, I guess all of that is just a wash. I'm just going to close the doors. Yeah. You can sell your Instagram. You can sell your Pinterest if it's all towards your business, you know? And I know that there's such a craze about so many people naming their wedding business or their floral business their name. I understand that. I did that myself. But I also think that there's something to be said about naming your business something that's really sellable, you know, thinking long-term that way. Okay, Ashley, thank you so, so much for being here today. And thank you for being so honest and vulnerable and asking such good questions. And I'm sure that there are listeners out there who want to follow up with you and find you. So where where can we find you at? Yep, you can find me on Instagram at Ashley Eileen Floral Design. Um, and that's my website page too, www.ashleyeileenfloral.com. Perfect. We'll put it in the show notes too. So you guys can go check out Ashley and all of her beautiful work. Okay. I wish you the best of luck. And I know that you're going to end this year with a bang. So thank you again for being here. Thanks so much. And I just want to say thank you. Like when I think of you, um, generosity is the word that comes to mind. And I just really appreciate that you have put your heart into the business behind the blooms and just being able to walk with floral designers. Um, I just, yeah, I'm grateful to you in so many ways. So thank you for having me today. You're so welcome. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) I hope you loved this episode of Zimmerman Podcast. If Ashley's questions sparked some of your own, make sure you go to ZimmermanPodcast.com slash ask to send in your own questions that I'll answer on an upcoming episode of Questions with Rachel. Make sure you check back in for a bonus episode of our mini-series, Under the Cover, where I share behind-the-scenes stories from creating my memoir, Sleeping with a Stranger. Thank you for sharing your insights and your time today, Ashley. Until next time. If you loved what you heard today, even if you liked it a lot, you should subscribe and leave a review. We'll see you back here next time in the Zimmerman Podcast.